Have you heard the news? Numa Worship's first instrumental album is out on your digital platform from the 30th of October. You can search for Numa Worship Stillness Album, download all 10 tracks and you will be blessed. Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you. Welcome everyone to Numa Church, wherever you're watching this online, and particularly to everyone who calls Numa Church home uh, across Melbourne and uh, in Bangkok, Thailand, and also in uh, Perth. We're so excited about what God's doing in Perth. And uh, over the coming months, we're going to give everybody at Numa updates of what's happening uh, in Numa, Perth, um, particularly as uh, Pastors Jason and Olivia Staggers head over to begin uh, leading and pioneering uh, Numa, Perth. We, I'm so excited about today. I felt the Lord spoke to me about preaching on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to bring that to you in a moment. But also it's so good to be joined with some of my great friends all across the church here behind me. So you're going to see uh, across our service, uh, particularly on this side at this point, uh, they're all waving and uh, you'll see them joining with us over Zoom in this service. But hey, I just want to encourage every single one of us as we transition back to live gatherings, can I encourage you, don't allow a spirit of fear to stop you from gathering again together, particularly for all of us who are here in Melbourne, whether it's our west location, south, east, or here in the city, can I encourage you, as soon as those doors open, as soon as we gather together again, let's come back to church, let's rush back to church. Don't allow spirit of fear to actually stop you from meeting and gathering together as God's people. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. And I wanna call all of us to begin to praying like we've never prayed before. Let's continue to see a supernatural breakthrough right across the church. Why don't you join with me as we pray together? Father, I thank You right now that Your goodness shall follow us all the days of our lives. And Father, I pray that, Lord, we would come to this moment, Lord, with faith, with expectation, Lord, with a a sense of vision for the future. God, I pray that uh, for those of us who've wrestled with fear and and all sorts of uh, challenges and attacks upon our mental, emotional, spiritual or physical well-beings, that Father, we would be reminded that in Christ we have been seated with You in heavenly places, that Lord, we are the head, not the tail. We're above only and not beneath. And I'm praying right now, God, that You would speak to us powerfully through Your Word, that Lord, we would see people being filled and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that You would empower us to be that bold witness that You've called us to be. For such a time as this, O oh God, may we boldly declare and proclaim the reason for the hope that we have. And Father, I thank You that You are for us, You're not against us. And God, we just come against every oppressive spirit of fear, uh, Lord, that would try and enslave us in, in our own houses, in our own sort of preoccupied lives. But Lord, I pray, would You help us to lift our eyes today, look towards Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, we look to the world around us that is hurting and desperately needs to know of the love and power of Jesus Christ. Come Holy Spirit right now, speak into our hearts. I pray in Jesus' Name, 
And everyone said, Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm going to get myself ready and we're going to get straight into the Word together today. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, I've got a few different props and things up here on the platform that will be a part of my message as well as uh, just uh, our people, our uh, platform audience right now. So you, you guys, I can't hear anything you're about to say, but you're, I, I need to see a lot of Bible waving, a lot of amens, a lot of something, all right, to encourage me as I preach today. So let's go. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It's the Super Bowl chapter of the Bible. I love these four verses. And the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Today, I really felt God put upon my heart to preach on the subject, a prescription for powerlessness. If you're feeling weak in your spirit, if you're not feeling empowered by the Spirit, this message is for every single person watching online, but also for every single believer. And this passage of Scripture is absolutely fundamental and central to who we are as Numa Church and what God has called us to as His followers. Now, when I was a kid playing at my grandparents' house many, many years ago, I would come in from playing outside and I'd say to my grandfather, I'd call him Pop, I'd say, Pop, I'm thirsty. And he'd say, well, go help yourself. There's a tap of water in the kitchen. Go help yourself to some water. And I'd say, but Pop, surely there is like some fizzy drink around. I mean, you know, I don't get to have that at home. Mum and Dad, Pop, can't you look after me? Surely there's, I don't know, some Sprite or Fanta or Coke or something. And then he would proceed to tell me uh, a World War II story where it would always finish with these words, when you're thirsty, you'll drink anything. And so I would endure this World War II story where he was in uh, for, for three years in Papua New Guinea uh, fighting in the Australian Army and he said that for two days, for 48 hours, he had to march back to base camp with his unit and there was no food and there was no water and it would finish that when he got back to base camp, he said it didn't matter what they gave me to drink, I just drank it. And so after every World War II story, I'd repent in Jesus' name and I'd crawl to the tap and I'd have a drink of water from the, the rivers and fountain of living water. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder, have you ever been so thirsty that you'd be prepared to drink anything? I remember being on a 200-kilometre bike ride one time where I got so dehydrated on this bike ride that I started to hallucinate, almost true story, and I start to have images come into my mind of me jumping into pools of Sprite in Jesus' name or maybe pools of Gatorade or you pick your favourite drink and, and I was jumping in and I'm drinking, consuming by the end of that 200-kilometre ride. I can assure you, I was so thirsty. It wouldn't matter what they gave me. I'm drinking everything and within 15 minutes, I looked like a whale. I was so full of water and fluid, it was not a pretty sight. But you know, I began to think about how I can drink a glass of water and that water will get into me. Or I can jump into a pool of water 
and then I am in the water. To be baptised in the Holy Spirit is not only that the Spirit, the rivers of living water are in me, but that I am in the Spirit. The question isn't, do you have the Spirit? The question is, does the Spirit have you? You see, the word baptise or to be baptised, it means to be immersed. It means to be dipped, plunged or submerged into something. The image in antiquity was of a garment that would be dipped into a dye or a colour. And that garment would be dipped in the dye and it would totally affect the constitution of that uh, garment, how it looks, how it appears. It would completely change colour. You know, on the platform with me here, I have a sponge. And just as a sponge can be dry and brittle before it's placed in water, when we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, our spirits are dry. They are brittle. We actually uh, feel thirsty in our spirit. Things are more difficult in the Christian life when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. But just as I take that dry and brittle sponge and begin to immerse it in the water of this glass container, all of a sudden it becomes softened. It's no longer hard. It's no longer brittle. All of a sudden, the whole constitution of this sponge is being affected. It's immersed in water. It's overwhelmed with water. And what comes out of it is is because of what it's been immersed in. Well, after being born again, getting saved, coming to Jesus, The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the most important encounter in your life as a believer. And what I want to do over the next few minutes is talk to you about the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, the baptism in the Spirit was firstly foretold by prophecy. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon select people, prophets, priests and kings, But the prophet Joel, probably the most famous prophecy, prophesied in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my, and your young men shall see visions. Even on my male and female servants in those days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. Fast forward to the New Testament. And we encounter the prophet John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah. And the Bible says in Matthew 3.11 that John the Baptist said, There is one coming after me of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. And John the Baptist declared that Jesus was that man and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible tells us that while staying with the disciples, he ordered them, he commanded them. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't an optional extra. It was a command. He said, don't you dare depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Now, every single father knows that if you promise your kids something, you better fulfill that promise. And the Bible tells us in Luke eleven thirteen that if you being evil, meaning if us being sinful in our fallen nature, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
when God declares that the baptism in the Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is the promise of the Father. You can rest assured and bring your faith to that word that God intends for every single one of His kids to not only have an encounter of salvation, a new birth experience, but to be baptised in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not only was the baptism in the Spirit foretold by prophecy, but the baptism in the Spirit is distinctive in purpose. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now it's so important that we understand the twofold work of the Spirit in the believer's life. The first work of the Spirit in your life is to be born of the Spirit. That is leading unto salvation. The second work of the Holy Spirit is to be baptised in the Spirit, and that is for ministry. That's to empower your witness as a believer for Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there were two major festivals that God's people would celebrate. The first festival was Passover. This had to do with salvation, God saving all of Israel out of Egypt and their oppressors, leading them through the wilderness into the promised land. The second festival that the Jews celebrated is Pentecost, and they still celebrate it to this day. It is a harvest feast. It's a celebrating, a festival that celebrates the grain harvest. Well, John the Baptist prophesied the twofold work of Jesus. He declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But he also declared that Jesus would be the mighty baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. In Jesus' life, this twofold pattern happened in his life and ministry. Firstly, in Luke chapter 1, Jesus was born of the Spirit. And then we read in Luke chapter 3 that immediately after Jesus' water baptism, He was baptised in the Holy Spirit. The heavens opened, the Spirit descended like a dove and remained upon Jesus. And Jesus declared from Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Jesus taught on the twofold work of the Spirit in His own ministry. He said, not only would the Spirit be a well of water within you in John chapter 4, but He said that the, the well of the Spirit would be a river of living water flowing through you in John chapter 7. In other words, what gets in us must come out of us. This is what it means to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed it, Rest assured, we need it. If Jesus taught it, we've got to practice it. And if the disciples had to wait for it, then every single disciple and follower of Jesus must pursue the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, it is official. I am what they affectionately call a mammal. That's right, a middle-aged male in lycra. Now, that may not conjure up some great images for you today, and I apologise on your behalf for that. But it is official. I've been cycling for several years now, and uh, I got into cycling uh, by doing an Ironman triathlon. 
And uh, after I finished uh, the uh, competitive uh, urges of, of competing in triathlon, I decided to keep on cycling. And I love heading out. It's a very social activity. It's uh, an activity where you can stop halfway and get a latte, the nectar of the gods. And anything that can help promote latte in life is a good activity to enjoy. Uh, You can sort of, it's an adventure. It's like a freedom machine. You can go uh, all over the earth, literally. You can go up mountains. You can go uh, on all sorts of roads. And it's, it's an awesome experience. However, there is this new trend in cycling world of e-bikes. You may not have heard of this, but it's of bikes that are uh, powered by an electronic battery. And uh, frankly, I just think this is very hurtful. It's cheating. And for real cyclists, and if you know of any real mammals out there, you'll know that this is like a curse. This is the curse of the devil, e-bikes, because you'll be there. I remember, you know, riding up Mount Painful in the Dandenong several years ago, and uh, because e-bikes have been around a while now. And so we're all riding up, and, you know, it's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and you're there in your fashionable lycra, and and you're there trying to thinking that you're going to beat everyone. And all of a sudden, some overweight dude on an e-bike just starts tapping, on the, tapping away on the pedals. And he's like, you know, got a smile on his face. You're there. It's like blood, sweat and tears. You've got things just bursting out of your ears and bursting out of your neck. And you're doing all that you can to try and keep up with the blessed e-bike. And he's just tap, 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 tapping away. And I'm thinking to myself, you just keep tapping away, buddy. Uh, when we get there, I'm going to tap you away. And so he's just tapping up the hill and it's very hurtful. Meanwhile, it's like the rest of us, we're all using willpower. We're using muscle power, but oh no, not the blessed e-bike rider. He could be 25 kilos overweight, but because he's got the blessed battery, he can actually get up to the top of that mountain long before any of us can get up there. In other words, Human effort can't compete with mechanical power. This is what happens when you get filled with the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you today that if you're trying to follow Jesus with your own human effort instead of the power of the Holy Spirit, you too will be frustrated. Other believers go and tap, tap, tap up the mountains of their purpose and their destiny and their life because what God has called you to, He doesn't intend for you to do in your own ability, in your own power. Human effort can't compare with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why the Bible says in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. The baptism in the Spirit is distinctive in purpose. Not only that, but the baptism in the Spirit is instantaneous in operation. The Bible says in verse 2 of Acts chapter 2, note this, note the word suddenly. You, you might want to say, all my friends online on this platform audience, just yell out suddenly. Everyone on this side, everyone on that side, all the production crew, everyone yells suddenly. I hear that. Yes and amen. Suddenly, the Bible says, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Sometimes my dog Maverick releases a sound like a mighty rushing wind in our house. It's not that sort of wind we're talking about. It's the wind of the Spirit we're talking about. When was the last time you had a suddenly encounter with God? In all seriousness, 
When was the last time you had a suddenly instantaneous encounter with God? You know, the fruit of the Spirit that helps us become more like Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit actually grows through process. But the power of the Holy Spirit comes through encounter. And one of the reasons I believe that so few followers of Jesus actually experience God's suddenlies in their life is because they don't create enough space for the spontaneity of the Spirit. If you've ever hung around a campfire, you'll know that what makes a campfire burn is you need a combustible material, you need an oxygen-rich compound, you need a heat source. You take one of those three things away, you're not gonna have fire. But when you sit around that campfire and have kumbaya, you realise very quickly that what makes the fire burn is the space between the wood. And if there is no space, the fire gets suffocated. Well, I think the same thing can happen in church life. The same thing can happen in our lives. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. In other words, it literally is interpreted, do not put out the Spirit's fire. In other words, God is saying that believers, we are not to be fire extinguishers or even fire fighters. We are to be fire lighters in Jesus' name. And we quench the Spirit when we replace the spontaneity of the Spirit with the structure of man. Many of us have our lives uh, outside of this COVID season at least, very sort of full. Our schedules are full. Our social lives are full. Everything is full. The calendar is full. And, and we wonder why we don't experience God's suddenlies. It's because there's no room for the spontaneity of the Spirit. And then you come into a season like COVID where everything is turned on its head and some believers don't know what to do with that extra time and space. I tell you what we should be doing is getting down on our knees, seeking God, turning on the new Numa worship album, stillness, and stepping into the presence of God, getting online on, over Zoom, praying, getting in prayer meetings, eventually getting in each other's houses and praying together and hanging out together. You see, what was it that drew people of all races and ranks to Azusa Street at the turn of the 20th century? I tell you what began the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the great Pentecostal revival of which this church was birthed in, was a catalyst to actually launching the entire Australian Christian Church's movement across this great nation, this great Southland of the Holy Spirit. I tell you why, what drew them, Carl Brumbach in his book, A Sound from Heaven, powerful book, he says this of the reports of Azusa Street in Los Angeles. He says, no one, not even the pastor, knew what was gonna happen next. We had no prearranged program to be jammed through on time. Our time was the Lord's. If there is anything I've learned, you cannot program a revival. You cannot program a suddenly instantaneous encounter. All you can do is position for it. And Jesus said to the disciples, you go up into that upper room and you pray and you wait and you position yourself to possess the promise of the Father. 
And I'm telling you today that we need another revival to hit the city of Melbourne. We need another revival in our church. Thank God for what happened in 1925. But guess what? It's now 2020. We need a new move of the Spirit of God across the body of Christ. We need, and if that move of God is gonna spread like wildfire across our church and the body of Christ, it must begin with a personal, individual, suddenly encounter in our own lives we Jesus, where we can't program it, but we definitely can position for it. And we can pray and seek God and say, God, would you pour out your Spirit upon our lives? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you immerse us and baptise us afresh in who you are? You see, not only that, the baptism in the Spirit is observable to the senses, The Bible says in verse three of this passage that divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, the invisible became visible. There was no one sitting around just wondering where did that wind come from? Like what what is that fire doing on someone's day? That's not allowed. We're not allowed in church. We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that. No one was wondering What on earth was going on? They knew something supernatural was afoot, that God was moving by the power of His Spirit. Why? Because the disciples could hear a sound. The disciples could see the fire and the disciples could speak in a heavenly language. I remember an amazing story being told to me of a friend at Harborside Church down in the peninsula here in Melbourne And uh, there was such a move of God in one of the Sunday services that in fact the fire department, local fire department was called to come and put out the fire that was on the roof of the building. Someone, a a close neighbour, saw smoke and fire on the roof of this church and thought the church was on fire. Well, it was on fire, just not literally on fire. And so the fire department came and they arrived at the church and when they pulled into the car park, There was no fire on the roof of the building. True story. They went in, checked things out. There was a service happening. People were speaking in tongues, getting filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, praying, worshipping. It was an amazing revival atmosphere. But because there was no fire, the fire department actually turned around, went back to the station. And within an hour, they were called back again. And when the fire department came the second time, they said from about a K out, they could see smoke building up from the church's rooftop and they thought for sure there was a fire. They got there, pulled into the car park and there wasn't a fire. Let me tell you something, when the baptism in the Spirit comes into your life, it will be observable to your senses. And whether or not there is a, a, a fire that can be seen or not, does not mean the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is actually isn't happening. Now, I don't know about you, but I heard of a bizarre story many years ago of a woman being in labour and not even knowing that she was pregnant. I don't know how on earth that happens, but I do know this. When you get baptised in the Holy Spirit, you won't be left wondering what just hit you. You will have an experience with the Holy Spirit that will be observable to your senses. You see, modern Pentecostal expression has become so indistinguishable from every other expression in the body of Christ and we wonder why that is. 
Why isn't there a greater distinctive of the moving of the power of the Holy Spirit in the modern church? I'll tell you why. It's because form has replaced power. A form of godliness has denied the power of godliness. We're more entertained and immersed in the form than we are in the power of the Holy Spirit and the actual substance of the moving of the Spirit of God in our lives. You would have heard me share before, back in 2012, when our family moved into an old Bible college, we knew there was something up about these dorm rooms that we were living in because at 1am on that first night, the smoke alarm went off over our bed and I woke up and waved the magic wand in my hand and, and, and the thing went off and then within about five minutes, the smoke alarm goes off again and then I whacked it that time with something else and then, and then the next five minutes it goes off again and the anointing of Samson came on me. I ripped that thing out of the roof and I didn't realise that it was connected to an electrical circuit to to every other smoke alarm in the entire Bible college. And so within about 30 seconds, the angels started to blow the trumpets in heaven and all of the smoke alarms in the entire Bible college went off. And I'm there out in the foyer, just scratching my head going, who did that? People are like, you know, who was it that set the smoke alarms off? I said, I have got no idea. But when I find out, they're in lots of trouble. And 45 minutes later of, of stopping all of the smoke alarms, literally in in every one of the students' rooms. I go back to bed, hop back into bed, and the Spirit of God says to me, that smoke alarm is like some Christians. They make lots of noise, but there's no fire in them. And I just wanna say to every single one of us who belongs to Numa Church and is watching this online, if you are a follower of Jesus, we must not be content for the form and for the noise. We must have the substance. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in every single area of our lives. Praise God for lights, camera, action, music, and skinny jeans. But let me tell you something. All of those things are the form. They are not the power. All of the cameras we got in this room, all of the amazing Zoom audience and all the props and all the things that we have, wonderful. They may make you culturally relevant. They don't make you powerful with the fullness of the Spirit on your own life. There's only one way to get this power and that's on your knees in prayer. There's only one way to access this power and that is in your personal life to build an altar of worship every day. And the Stillness album will help from Numa as well. And so so you're there and you're praying and you're worshipping and you're in the Word and you don't just wait for 10 minutes and go, oh, it didn't work. No, you wait until you are filled with power. You wait until tongues of fire get on your life and change you upside down, right side up. I'm telling you that baptism in the Spirit will be observable to your senses. A.W. Tozer said this, if the Holy Spirit was taken from the modern church, 95% of what we do would continue. He said that back in the 1950s and 60s. And I think it still applies today. And yet if you were to take the Holy Spirit out of the Acts 2 church, 95% of what they were doing would discontinue. Such was the dependence and fullness of the Spirit of God observable to the senses at work in the life of the early church. 
Not only that, I love that phrase, not only that. Not only that, the baptism in the Spirit is supernatural in power. The Bible says in verse 4 that they were all filled with not an abstract force, but the person of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons why the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the Godhead is because we treat Him as an it rather than as a person. We think He's some abstract force that's going to waft in through the air vents and give us all warm fuzzies and goosebumps in the service rather than actually acknowledging Him as the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is none other than God Himself manifesting in our midst. All of the miracles in the Old Testament were performed and executed by the person of the Holy Spirit as He moved in response and obedience to the Word of the Father. And so when it came time for the universe to be formed, the Holy Spirit's there as the third person in the Godhead hovering over the waters, getting ready to execute the Father's will in creation. When Israel needed to get through the Red Sea into the other side, the Holy Spirit was there. And as Moses extended that rod of authority in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit came into alignment with the will and Word of God and parted the ocean waters. When armies that were defying God's people needed to be defeated, the angel of the Lord would be sent loose. The Spirit of the Lord would actually go out and fight on Israel's behalf. When they needed the sun to even stand still so that Israel could finish the job and get on with what God had called them to. It was the Holy Spirit that was coming into partnership with the will of God in the heart of a man. And the Holy Spirit was bringing about supernatural, powerful miracles and occurrences. You've got to understand the baptism of the Spirit is more than a feeling. It's to be clothed with power from on high. You see, we have someone in our congregation, a beautiful lady by the name of Evelyn, and her and her family have been a part of our church for a while now. But last year, soon after, Simone and I had actually took on the leadership of the church. We were preaching at West Location, and Evelyn actually uh, got not only miraculously saved on that day, but she, in fact, had just recently been diagnosed with a significant and serious cancerous tumour and we prayed for her to be healed. Well, when it came to our revival nights, just a few, several weeks later, she walked up to me and she said, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. And I, that's like music to my ears. And so she starts to tell the story. Now, Evelyn is a medical doctor. She understands all the tests and dynamics of all that she had to go through. And she went and got tests on those tumours and everything that had recently been diagnosed as cancerous. But she went back after prayer and the doctor said, they are no longer there, they are gone. And she said, no, 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 test it again. That doesn't make any sense to my rational, natural mind. And they tested again and they still weren't there. And they tested a third time when she said, and it still wasn't there. And she looked at me and said, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. I'm telling you, that isn't a coincidence. It's a supernatural miracle that came in response to the spirit of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power, dunamis, dynamic, stick of dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, literally translated martyrs, that this power will be so strong that it'll even help you to lay down your life for your faith in Jesus Christ without a flinch, without any, why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit can sustain you in impossible circumstances. Now, what we often do is we read about the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. And and if you're like me, you wish you were there to see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. I don't know about you, but I think it'd be pretty cool to be there when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. That'd be a good day. I'd probably put that on Instagram that day if I was there. And we read the, the miracles in the Gospels and we're like, you know what? How awesome would it be to actually be around Jesus in those miracles? But you know what the Bible says? In uh, John 16, Jesus says, It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. You see, according to Jesus, apparently the Holy Spirit living inside of you is greater than Jesus standing beside you. As wonderful as the miracles of the Gospels are, at the end of the day, you have the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. And when you get baptised in the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you that Spirit will give life to your mortal body. That Spirit will move in supernatural power to actually empower your witness to fulfil your calling in all that God has called you to do. And finally, the baptism in the Spirit is evidenced by a sign. The Bible says in verse 4, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, on the day of Pentecost, there were several immediate signs. There was the sign of wind, there was the sign of fire, and there was the sign of tongues. Of all the signs, tongues was the normal initial evidence whenever people got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was seven years old when I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. I couldn't fake it. I couldn't make it up. But I knew this, I was hungry for the presence of God. And I went down the front one Sunday night after my dad had finished preaching. And as I'm there hungering for the presence of the Holy Spirit, this man of God came and laid hands upon my head. And as he began to pray for me to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, the power of God hit me and it was tangible, it was observable, it was distinctive. It was all the things that I've been preaching about. And out of my seven-year-old mouth, without understanding all the mechanics of it, but with simple childlike faith and an obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, as I just felt this bubbling up in my spirit, out of my mouth came tongues of fire. Out of my mouth came the language of heaven, the language of the Holy Spirit. My experience of the baptism of the Spirit was evidenced by the supernatural sign of tongues. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence, there will always be evidence. Joel the prophet prophesied, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And we see that tongues is symbolic and significant 
in the Bible because in the Old Testament, only select people would prophesy. But in the New Testament, it represented, tongues represented a new covenant, a new era. No longer was it just the law, but now the fulfillment of the law in Jesus as He pours out the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon all who would believe. Not only that, but tongues signifies a new person. Whenever a person speaks, we know them by their speech. Jesus talked about how, uh, you, you, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this Holy Spirit comes and fills us, gets what? He brings with it a new speech. Not only that, but tongues represents new control. James tells us that the tongue is the hardest member of the body to tame. So when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our life, He also gives us the power to tame our tongue. And not only that, but tongue signifies new unity. And isn't it interesting that the enemy has worked so hard to bring division around speaking in tongues when tongues in the early church was intended to unify and bring people together. You see, in the book of Genesis, we see the Tower of Babel and we see that God confused all of their languages because their agenda was self-driven and man-made. But in Acts chapter 2, in the New Testament, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gets poured out and now there is a unifying factor. People can hear in their own language the praises and glory of God. And the Bible says, at that sound, the people came together. I'm telling you, there is a precious sound. There is a beautiful sound that at that sound, people come together and they may wonder what the heck is going on. Are these people out of their minds? Are they drunk like they did in Acts chapter 2? But I'm telling you, when the power of God hits you, it will be evidenced by a sign in your life. You see, the only prerequisite to speaking in tongues is faith and obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life as you get filled with His glorious presence. And what preempted all of this outpouring in Acts chapter 2 was in fact the hunger of the disciples to pray and seek God. You see, the measure of your hunger determines the measure of your filling. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, all the disciples, the Bible says, with one accord, were devoting themselves together to prayer. One of the great challenges that I want to give you today is that you have as much of God today as you wanted Him yesterday. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to fill an empty bucket, but I've learned something very simple, and it's not rocket science, that as long as the lid on the bucket is on. It doesn't matter how much space is in the container of that bucket. It doesn't even matter how much water is in that jug. But if the lid is still on, it doesn't matter how much I pour out, it's not going to get into that container. I have to take the lid off the top of the bucket to actually begin to pour into it and fill it up. The same is in our lives with our walk with God. It doesn't even matter how hungry and thirsty you are. If if there is a lid over your heart, if there's fear, if there's ignorance, if there is a retreating back to the things of the Spirit, or maybe there isn't any hunger, there isn't any thirst for the Spirit, then it's like a lid over our hearts. And the 
There is more than enough supply from heaven for you today in your life. The issue is, is there any demand from earth? Is there any demand from our hunger and our thirst for the things of God? Wherever there is a lack in our lives, the lack is never on God's end. It's always because we've placed a lid over our hearts. Maybe sometimes it's because of a bad experience in a church somewhere. Maybe we got offended at someone and we haven't forgiven them. Maybe it's because we're fearful of what would happen if we release control of our lives. But I'm telling you today, it's time to rip the lid off of your heart. It's time to lift the lid on your life and to allow the Holy Spirit to be poured into your heart. The Bible says, don't get drunk with much wine. It's not gonna be good for you. It's not gonna help you. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be filled to overflowing. It's not just a one-time experience. It's a present, continuous event that must take place in our lives. And so today, I want to pray with you, wherever you are, for you to receive and experience this baptism of the Spirit in our lives. But before we do, I actually want to lead us back into a time of worship. We're going to begin to... um, worship together and we're going to begin to seek God together and I'm going to uh, actually be a part of this worship experience moment where I'm going to pray for you. In fact, I actually feel like even now that we're going to begin with prayer and then we're going to go into worship. Let's do that. And so right now, wherever you are, if you heard this message today, you say, I'm hungry for the things of the Spirit. I'm thirsty for the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Maybe You've never been baptised, immersed in the person of the Holy Spirit. But as I've been preaching, you say, you know what, today I need that, I want that. I want that heavenly language. I want to actually be filled with the presence of God. Then right now, wherever you are, I actually want to invite you to open up your heart and to begin to confess any known sin to God. Begin to offer up to God your heart and your life. And if there's things, maybe offences towards people, bitterness towards people, things that maybe you've harboured in your heart, uh, issues that you've entertained, habitual sin that you just need to break free of today. We know that often we break free through a process, but also there's a moment sometimes where the Holy Spirit in that direct moment sets us free and begins to help us walk in victory over that area of our lives. And often it comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, wherever you are, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to spend some time in worship together. So why don't you just close your eyes and maybe kneel or stand or lift up your arms. And we're going to begin to worship and pray together. Father, right now, I thank you for every single person that's watching this message online right now. I thank You, Father, for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that was poured out 2,000 years ago upon all who would believe. And Father, right now, Lord, we claim, we come in faith and we claim, oh God, that baptism of the Holy Spirit for our own lives. God, we ask You to forgive us. The Bible says to repent of your sin and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that times of refreshing would come. And Father, right now I pray that, Lord, we just submit to You and confess to You. We repent, O God. We turn away from any known sin in our hearts. And Lord, we ask, would You fill us with the precious Holy Spirit? 
Would you fill us right where we are? Would you manifest your power right now, Lord, over Zoom, over online church, whatever platform, oh God, we are watching this service right now in the Name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, come, baptise us. Baptise us again, oh God, in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Let tongues of fire manifest, oh God, in our mouths. Let the prompting of the Spirit in our hearts bubble up and well up within us that out of our mouths would come prophecy. Out of our mouths would come the roar of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Father, give us the power we need to live the life You've called us to. Give us the Spirit, O God. We are hungry. We are thirsty. We're not going to pray one time. If we have to pray for days, we will. Lord, we're hungry. We're waiting on You. We're positioning ourselves. Come on, wherever you are right now, as we sing and as we worship, just pour out your heart to God right now. Open your mouth and begin to declare. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, We would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.